Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, the world has gone nutty, muddy, buddy. Even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cats. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. It's another Sunday fun day here at BuddyCast. Welcome to all my buddies who are watching. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special guest, a new buddy of ours, Mr. Kevin Fagan. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Nick. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for stopping on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, for those who don't know, Kevin is a cartoonist. He creates the hilarious comic strip called Drabble. Drabble? Did I get that right? Drabble. Drabble. Yep. Drabble. Yep. So I gotta let's 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 take a step back and start from the beginning. What inspired you to become a cartoonist? Well, I always drew uh, cartoons ever since I was a little kid. I, I grew up reading comics and Mad Magazine and uh, Peanuts and all of that stuff, you name it. And um, I always drew for fun. It was my hobby growing up. And uh, when I was in high school, I was in a class about uh, the media. And we had to do a class project. And mine was to create my own comic book. And uh, it got a lot of attention among the students and the teachers who would pass it around. And I thought, man, maybe, you know, that's, that was kind of fun because I'd never shown my work to anybody before. Um, so when I got to college, uh, a friend of mine who was in that high school class with me, his sister was the editor of the school paper. And he came up to me and he says, my sister's looking for a cartoonist for the school paper. Would you like to do it? And I thought, oh, no, I could never do anything like that. And he says, well, they're really desperate. So this would be a good time if you have any desire at all. This was at Saddleback College in Mission Viejo, uh, California. Mm. And so uh, I submitted my work to them. They loved it. And they started running it in the school paper, which at that time came out once every two weeks. And after the first year of doing that, um, I thought, well, I think I've done every idea that I can possibly think of, you know, but they invited me back for a second year. And I thought, well, all right, I'll do my best. So. I was able to come up with a few more. Um, and I then transferred up to Sacramento State in uh, nor northern central California uh, and drew for the school paper while I was up there. Uh, their paper came out twice a week, so the deadlines were a little more intense. And while I was drawing for the Sacramento, uh, the Sacramento uh, school newspaper, Sacramento State newspaper, the Sacramento Union, which was one of the newspapers in town, it was actually the newspaper that Mark Tw Mark Twain 
wrote for, you know, mm. 100 years ago. Um, they said, hey, you know, we've seen your work in the school paper. Would you like to do some freelance work for us? And absolutely. So, you know, all I, all I had to do was send them over some cartoons I'd draw, drawn for the school paper. So the Sacramento Union started, draw, started uh, printing my work, um, not on a daily basis, but, uh, you know, whenever they could. And one thing led to another. Uh, and while I was in Sacramento, I, I sent a letter to Charles M. Schultz. Schultz mm. has a, had a studio in Santa Rosa, California, which is a couple of miles from uh, Sacramento. And I didn't know what to expect from him, whether he would write back or not. But I, had, I knew a lot about Charles M. Schultz, and he seemed like a very nice guy. Anyway, much to my surprise, he sent me back a letter. And it wasn't a form letter. It was, you know, a letter typed by the secretary and signed by him, although I'm sure the response was kind of a basic response. But he says, you know, it's I asked him if he could critique my work or give me any advice. And he said, you know, it, it's not up uh, to me. It's not it's not me that you have to impress. It's an editor somewhere because they're the ones who are going to have jobs for you. Um, and in his and he gave me some words of encouragement. And enclosed with his letter was a uh, Xerox sheet, you know, printed sheet of all of the newspaper syndicates. And on that syndicate was the United Feature Syndicate, which at the time was the largest syndicate and the one that, that syndicated peanuts. A newspaper syndicate, by the way, is like a middleman between the cartoonist and the, the newspapers. The syndicates have salesmen who go travel the world and uh, get the cartoonist's work in newspapers. So the cartoonists just draw. They don't go visit the newspapers and try to sell. That's the syndicate's job. So anyway, so from that list, I got the address of United Feature Syndicate, and they're the ones that eventually signed me to a, a contract. That's another long story how that came about. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that's how, how my career got started. One thing just kind of led to another. Beautiful. So how did you create your current comic script today? Um, the cartoon that I was doing in college did not look like Drabble. Uh, it, most of them were single panel cartoons, you know, kind of like Farside or Dennis the Menace or something, you mm -hmm. know, one picture with the caption underneath. Um, and in college, most of my, uh, strips kind of centered around what it's like to be kind of a college nerd, which is exactly what I always was. Um, and so those were the strips that I sent to my to United Feature Syndicate for their approval. And, uh, you know, about a month and a half after I sent them that, they sent me a letter back saying, we like your work, but we wondered if you could turn it into a strip rather than a, you know, single panel. Now a strip is a whole different mindset for a cartoonist than a single panel. You have to, uh, you know, characters' personalities become very important. The pacing of a gag is totally different. And uh, I didn't know if I could do it or not. Um, so I sent off, you know, 30 uh, sample strips to them and I didn't hear anything back. And I, so I drew 30 more sample strips and sent it off to them and I didn't hear anything back. I sent another batch to them and finally they called me on the phone and said, you know, we're flying out with a contract and um, meet us at the airport and, and we're in business. So that turned into Drabble, that nerdy college goofball. Um, who in the strip is Norman Drabble. Right now, his father's kind of taken over the strip. Ralph Drabble's kind of the star of the strip. Mm -hmm. But when it started, it was all about Norman. 
who uh, you know couldn't get a date and his shoelace is always untied and he's just always uh, goofing things up. Um, so that's that's kind of how Drabble started, all about a nerdy college student. Nice, nice. So you mentioned there's a process to like going from a single panel to a strip, such as like dragging out the humor. How do you find the humor for your strips? That's a really good question. And after all these years, I'm still not sure I have a really good answer for it. Uh, it, it becomes a way of life. Um, I've drawn a strip every day for the last 42 years. Maybe not drawn it, but I've had an idea and a strip run, a new original strip every day for 42 years. With the exception of, uh, I think I took one, they gave me one week off. My mother passed away many years ago. And then I ended up in the hospital uh, 10 or 15 years ago and they gave me another week off. But outside of those two weeks, every strip has been new and original. And so I have to think about them every day. Um, so what I do is I, I have an old fashioned notebook, not the computer kind, but just one of the, these little spiral notebooks, you know, that you mm -hmm. buy at the store. I carry it around with me and I'm always uh, jotting down, I don't know if you can see this, um, jotting down ideas, scribbling, doodling. I'm trying to hold this in a good spot. That's right there is perfect. Not that I want you to read it or anything like that. <laughs> I don't think you could read my writing anyway. But this all day long, I'm just jotting down ideas. And um, in the morning, I sometimes, uh, I got in the habit years ago of dropping my kids off at school. And then I'd go to a nearby McDonald's and maybe have a Coke or something and sit there and read the paper and do the crossword puzzle and scribble in my, my notebook. And that's kind of been a good way to get started, not necessarily going to McDonald's, but I mean, sitting down and forcing myself, whatever ideas are in my head, I write them down. And most of them are not very good, uh, but that's how you find the good ones. You know, you start writing everything, everything that you can think of. The only problem with that was um, my kids told all their friends I worked at McDonald's because I drop them off for school and I say, all right, I'm going to go work and try to think of some ideas. So they told all their friends I worked in the So that's okay. But hmm. Absolutely. Hey, they got good pay. So that's right. Yeah. I might end up there pretty soon anyway. So that's good. Yeah. Yep. So one of my favorite characters in your strip is the wiener dog Wally. Yep. How did you create him? Like what, what inspired him and his humor? I had a, a wiener dog when I was a kid and I just remember how, how fun that dog was, you know, and I, I hadn't had any other dogs, so I didn't know what to compare them to. Um, but then years later, we got another one. We got a little short hair or no, a long haired uh, miniature dachshund uh, with this incredibly loud bark. And if you heard this bark at the door, you'd think it's like a German shepherd or something behind the door. And it's this little tiny little dog. Um, but dachshunds are really funny and they're really they're good for laughs. Mm -hmm. um, they're just smart enough to get everything wrong and get in all sorts of trouble and mess everything up. Uh, but they're, they're, they're so much fun. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so when I thought about giving the family a dog, the new dog that we got when our kids were young, her name was Lucy. And she st I started getting all of these uh, ideas uh, for a dog. And I had the dog in the strip even before we got Lucy. But because I didn't have a dog to study every day, you know, Lucy made an, or, uh, Wally made it a, an appearance now and then. But when we got Lucy and I could see the, all of these crazy things that she did, 
Wally became a much more popular character because all of these ideas came to me. Um, so Wally is probably the most popular character in the, the strip. Wally's even got a Facebook group, Wally's Wonderful World of Wiener Dogs, something like that. Anyway. Wow. Um, and so we publish Wally cartoons all day and people uh, publish their own pictures of their own dogs and their stories and things like that. So that's fun. But yeah, Wally's really popular. And we've done uh, actually a couple of Wally books. I don't know what I did with them. Here they are. That are all, there are books all about Wally. All oh, yeah. Wally and uh, all Wally too. And we have another <laughs> book coming out uh, shortly, hopefully within the next month. Um, and it's going to be called House of Wally. And so that's going to be available too. And mostly uh, Wally cartoons. These books are exclusively uh, Wally cartoons. Nice. So, I will say, I saw one of your strips the other day on Facebook, and it was the one where. Like he, the um, owner tries to fake out Wally by throwing the ball. Yeah. And he's, he doesn't really throw it. So then Wally turns around and fakes him out with the fake hack. Yep. Any dog owner that's watching this right now knows there is nothing that gets you to move faster than when a dog makes that noise. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. All that stuff, all, all of the wiener dog strips. Well, I shouldn't say all because I'm sure some were just complete figments of my imagination. Mm -hmm. Most of that stuff just came from real life. Just. Mm -hmm. interacting with a little dog and having one around the house and all the crazy things they do and all the things that you you would never think about in, unless you had one of these little uh, pets with you. Mm -hmm. So that's where Wally came from. Exactly. And there's a saying on Facebook that says they should make an alarm clock with a dog making that noise because oh, nothing yeah. gets you out of bed faster. I saw that. That's funny. Yep. Yep. That's true. It is. Yeah. It is. From a dog owner myself, that is the one, you know, my mom says it best. We'll all be sitting in the living room doing our thing like reading book, watching TV, playing a video game, something. The dog makes that noise and it is like a, it's like a strike team or something. It's like, okay, yeah. let's move, 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 get outside, go, go, go. That's really funny. Mm -hmm. That's and really true. Yes. Most of the funniest humor is based on truth because people can relate to it. Exactly. That's why it's such a compliment when people tell me they took one of my, cut one of my strips out of the paper and you know, put it up on the refrigerator. That's always like a place of honor. Mm -hmm. so I think if we ever have a museum, it'll just be a bunch of refrigerators with strips up, magnetized to the doors, you know. That's how we display them. I like it. I like that idea. Yeah. So now when you create a new strip often, how long does it take for you like to get the idea and get it into paper form, like get it into drawing? Well, uh my lead time that my syndicate asks for daily strips, meaning Monday through Saturday, the daily strips need to be there about uh, five weeks ahead of time before mm -hmm. publication date. The Sunday cartoons require a little more time. So they ask, you know, about seven weeks on those. So basically it's five weeks and seven weeks uh, before they appear. So I'm already into the fall and thinking about Halloween and all of that stuff. Which is a pain right. in the neck because in the fall, you always have the falling leaves. And I always, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I always draw all these falling leaves all over the place. And those are hard to draw. There's so many of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can only imagine as a dog owner or someone who knows a lot of dog owners, just Wally in the fall and just oh, yeah. looking at every leaf that falls or something like that, you know, or, it's or, really like the, fun. or the leaf piles even, you know. That's right. Yeah, I've done many of those gags. And the fun thing is, every every time that fall comes around, 
I want to do more of those gigs. And I think, well, I've done everything I can think of. And then I always am able so far to think of a few more. Uh, so that's always, I always kind of look forward to it actually, even though it's a lot of drawing. Mm -hmm. Now you briefly mentioned your submission process um, in the last question. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us more about that? Could you tell us more like your whole process? When I, submitted my, work, when I yeah. submitted my work to the syndicate, mm -hmm. um, back in the days when I, you know, 40 years ago when I was in college and newspapers were all over the place and that's how everybody got their, their news. Um, these days, newspapers are not as uh, plentiful as they as they used to be, and so uh, you know, a lot of cartoonists are not as well known as they used to be. But back in the day, if you could get syndicated and you could get your cartoon into uh, a lot of newspapers, boy, you you'd be making a, a nice living and you'd become you know pretty famous doing mm -hmm. that. Um, so those were the good old days, and they told me at the time that uh, how explaining how lucky I was to, to get syndicated, uh, they didn't use those words, but uh, they said they, at the time they received about 4,000 submissions a year from cartoonists wanting to be syndicated. And from those 4,000 submissions, they would syndicate maybe two. Um, and at least one of those two would never make it. You know, they'd, last for 18 months or a couple of years and because the deadlines are so uh can be kind of crushing for a lot of guys you don't you don't realize it until you do it every day and like i said for me it becomes kind of a way of life but if it's not your way of life you can burn out really easily and quickly doing that because you know you just you run out of material you drive yourself crazy trying to think of new stuff um i've I kind of have convinced myself that it's impossible to run out of ideas. I have, you know, dry spells all the time, like every uh, creative person does, but I don't panic over it. I just assume it's kind of par for the course and, you know, give myself a little time and something will come. And so far it always, it always has. Um, but, you know, if you're trying to live a normal life and be a cartoonist, you're going to, you're going to run into trouble, I think. So you just got to kind of let it take over. And mm -hmm. my wife could tell you stories about what it's like to be married to a cartoonist. And um, those stories sound a lot like the stories that uh, Mrs. Charles M. Schultz would tell us, you know, about mm -hmm. how they were driving in a car and she's got the radio on and she asked her husband a question about something that they just heard on the radio and he had no idea what she was talking about. Cause he's in another world. He's thinking of his cartoons all the time. He's mm -hmm. not in this world li listening to the radio and seeing and hearing the same things that his wife is. My wife has the same complaint. Sometimes I'm in my own, my own world out there. She's my, she's the person. Hello. Yeah. Oh, it, it really makes her mad sometimes, even after all these years. Mm. But uh, she does know that that's just, that's just me. It's nothing personal. It's just that I'm, Mm -hmm. Just literally, I I appear to be in this world, you know, I'm just sitting here minding my own business, but I'm thinking about Wally and thinking about all the characters and thinking about my deadlines and where am I and, you know, what, what should I do, draw next week and all of that stuff. So that's the life of a cartoon. Mm -hmm. So follow-up question, what's your wife's secret that's like kept her going, you know, kept her from not throwing you out onto the lawn or anything like that, you know? I, I You kind of broke up there, so I didn't hear the question. What was it? 
I was going to ask, what's your wife's secret for not throwing you like out on the lawn or anything like that? You know, oh, she has many times. Yeah. She gets really frustrated with me. She helps me with this strip actually, because um, I'm not a computer genius. I was telling you, she had to kind of help me connect today because I was fumbling everything up, mm -hmm. but uh, I still draw the strips the old fashioned way. Um, I've got a few strips here. Um, so these are our original comic strips. These are from a few years ago. Um, so I still draw them on, on paper and she scans them into the computer uh, because in the old days we would just mail these to our syndicates. You know, we just get a pack of, of uh, a week's worth of comics, mail them off to the syndicate and they would handle all the rest. And uh, about 10 or 12 years ago that my syndicate asked me, um, you know, could you start sending them digitally and coloring them yourself, you know, on the computer and sending them to us. I had no idea where to start. Um, and so she has, assists me with that. So she actually works on the deadlines as, as much as I do. So I think she, she kind of understands, but that doesn't make it any less frustrating sometimes when I'm in that mm -hmm. cartoonist world. Mm -hmm. Hey, teamwork. So which, which, which yeah. works best? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier, you wrote to Charles M. Schultz before. Um, do you converse with other cartoonists by chance or anything like that? Um, not much. I'm kind of out of the of the of the loop. So I mean, sometimes on Facebook we send uh, messages back and forth. And um, I used to uh, be kind of close with some uh, cartoonists uh, that lived nearby. But over the years, you know, people go different ways. And um, so, uh, but I, every once in a while, I do see them. You know, Kathy Geiswhite, who did the Kathy comic strip, is a good close friend and. I, but I don't see her very often. Um, same with uh, Jeff Keane, who now draws Family Circus, Greg Evans, who draws Luann. Um, these are all just wonderful people that I look forward to seeing. I, I wish I could see them more often. I don't go to a lot of cartoonist uh, uh, get-togethers because they're usually in some uh, exotic part of the world, and for whatever reason, I, I, I mm. don't know. But um, anyway, it is fun when I get to, to see them. Nice. I did, I did get to become pretty good friends with Charles Schultz um, after Ooh. I was indicated. And that was really a neat experience because he was always very supportive of my work. He was he was critical of it to me. He would point out when things I needed to fix and change and, and things like that. But he always said that he enjoyed the humor of it. And it was one of his favorite strips. He was interviewed on, on the Charlie Rose show many years ago, 25 years ago, something like that. And uh, he was asked, what are your favorite comic strips? And he mentioned For Better, For Worse, and Drabble. And so that's kind of a, that was kind of a thrill. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we got to be really good friends. And like I said, he lived in um, Santa Rosa. And I have a brother who lives up there. And so every Thanksgiving, I'd go up to visit my brother for Thanksgiving. And we'd stop into uh, Sparky's studio. Everybody called him Sparky since the day he was born. Mm -hmm. Charles M. Schultz's nickname was Sparky. Nobody ever called him Charles. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd go uh, definitely see him every Thanksgiving time. And we'd usually come back at Christmas time because he owned an ice rink in Santa Rosa. And he enjoyed putting on a, a Christmas show, ice capade style. So he'd have ice skaters around and costumes and scenery and all this stuff. It was really a production. And wow. he did that. Every year, I don't know how many years he did it, maybe 20 or 25. And we were there most of those years. And uh, so anyway, we would end up seeing him 
at least a couple of times a year. And we, I talked to him a lot on the phone, at least once a month. And uh, that was a thrill. I always, I tell people it was kind of like a, a baseball player getting a pat on the back from Babe Ruth. You know, <laughs> you're a cartoonist and Charles M. Schultz has nice things to say about you. That's, that's something. And so that's going on the resume. Else, that made it all worthwhile being a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. That's what goes on the resume. Yeah. Yeah, I was, he, was, he was really a great guy, very generous and supportive. I truly believe that. So it sounds like he was truly a buddy to you, which brings up my next question. In your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? What does it mean to be someone's buddy? Well, I guess a buddy is somebody that uh, you can depend on when times are tough and somebody that you can call when you need a lift and uh, things like that. And in that sense... I, never, I don't think I ever had uh, tough times that I talked to him about, but I know there were some business uh, things and contractual things that he would always help me with whenever I, I had a question about anything. And he was always there to talk on the phone. And he really enjoyed talking to cartoonists. He liked to talk shop. And so I was one of his buddies. I think he had a lot of buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very friendly, a very friendly uh, man. I'm glad to hear that for such an inspiration that he is, you know, he wasn't one of those, like I'm here, you're here. And that's how it's going to be or something like that. You know, he he was very approachable. Um, You know, he would walk around Santa Rosa and people would just walk up to him and say nice things and ask for an autograph. And he was very patient and he Mm -hmm. saw people as, as human beings, you know, he Mm -hmm. didn't, it wasn't a me against them situation. Um, And I always admired that about him because he knew in his mind of his importance to the cartooning business and how much joy he's brought to the world. He knew that. He, he, he didn't have a lot of false modesty. Um, he was, uh, you know, a God-fearing man, and, and he gave credit where credit was due. And uh, but as for himself, he was very approachable, and he treated people like he would like to be treated. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why he was always so nice to me. You know, I'm sure a lot of other guys would have said, you know, get lost and, you know, don't bother. <laughs> but he was always, always open to conversation and visits. I'm so glad to hear that. He's an, yeah. he's an inspiration to me. I'm a big Snoopy fan. So we all are. Uh-huh. Snoopy is huge around the world. You, mm-hmm. know, you, can, you can go to Japan and, boy, they really love Snoopy in different countries around the world. And it's amazing to think what he accomplished in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of another. I can't think of another person who's contributed more, in terms of visual images and lexicon, as Charles M. Schultz. I gave a talk about this one time, at the Schultz Museum, and I, I listed all of the th- all of the visual images we have in our mind from Peanuts, like. Snoopy on top of the doghouse, Snoopy uh, flying the sop with camel, Charlie Brown on the pitcher's mound, Charlie Brown flying a kite, um, Mm -hmm. Lucy in the psychiatry booth, Linus with the blanket. We can all see those pictures immediately whenever I bring them up. And they go on and on and on. Um, And there are also, uh, you know, uh, terms and words that he's kind of uh, brought forth. Um, Security blanket for one. I don't... That's where it all came from. Security blanket came from the Peanuts comic strip. Um, uh, the Great Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. 
And like I said, if I could think about it a little a little bit more, I I, I rattle off a whole bunch. But I, I'm sure every Peanuts fan can come up with a lot of that too. Sop with Camel. Who ever yeah. heard of a Sop with Camel? I mean, it was a real thing, but nobody mm -hmm. ever heard of one until he made it famous. Um, Eagle Scouts, Peppermint Patty. Um, anyways, mm -hmm. I can't think of anybody outside of Walt Disney who has contributed more. But Walt, I Walt had a staff of artists and writers who brought his dreams to reality. Um, and Charles M. Schultz sat in a room all by himself at a drawing board and did all of this. Uh, every, every line in that strip is Charles M. Schultz. Every cartoon idea is Charles M. Schultz. He didn't have any gag writers. He didn't want any. Nope. And um, so everything that you write, read in Peanuts is Charles M. Schultz. I can't think of anybody who, is, who has done more in those terms. It's really amazing when you start thinking about it. It really, it really, really is. And you're right. Like just like you said, you know, coming up with the humor, coming up with the characters, how every character has their own their own little quirk or something. Like, you know, yeah. you mentioned it. You mentioned um, you know, Linus with the blanket, yeah. Lucy with the uh with the psychiatry booth, you know, saying that the psychiatrist is in, you know. Yeah. Like you can you see those things. Like you can just see, okay. You can see here's Charlie Brown about to play football with Lucy. Yeah. You know, in the end of this, Charlie's going to end up on his back or something, you know, but yeah, holding uh, Lucy, holding the football, the yep. little red haired girl. I mean, all yes. of these things are aspects of, <clears throat> of, of all, all of our lives. You know, every, every guy has had the little red haired girl, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and everybody's had a, a security blanket of some kind. Um, happiness is a warm puppy. You know, we were mm -hmm. talking about the dog. These are all all very personal aspects to every every person, mm -hmm. and uh, he was able to turn it into a comic strip and something that we all loved. And uh, it's just staggering to me how he did it. I just don't know. Uh, being a cartoonist, I, I have always wished I could uh, I could have that kind of success. I don't mean financial, but to be able to touch people like he did. Mm -hmm. And that's your first problem if you're a cartoonist. If you're trying to touch people, you're probably not going to do it. You just mm -hmm. have to do it naturally and be yourself and and all of that. So I will say, I will say next to next to Snoopy because you know we all know Sno Sno uh, Snoopy's the legend. You know, <laughs> I definitely say Wally's right there. Wally's oh, right next you. to him. So keep thank up you. the great work with him. It always because you, like I said, you do it best. You take real life situations. Like every dog owner knows what it's like to hear that one the and you know what's coming next so you're i tell you you know you're hightailing everyone can relate to that because you all at least laugh when you think about something like that like you know that's right or you know what it's like to you know have a dog going off because someone rings the doorbell or something and you're trying to hear yourself think or you're trying to like get to the door or whatever meanwhile they're going nuts or something like that you know yeah. humor but, that's universal that people can relate to i think is is always the the best kind you know something that really hits hits people and oh that happens to me and i i could have written that that's a then you know you've got a good you did a good joke that day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy so if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice what would it be and why you know i really haven't uh given it a lot of thought but i would certainly uh consider something like, uh, you know, pediatric cancer research or something like that. 
uh, children are very close to my to my heart. I have seven grandkids, and mm -hmm. uh, children are the most innocent people in the world. And it, it, anytime you're aware of a child suffering with anything, not just cancer, but there are many things like that. And um, you know, I'm afraid in the world that we live in today, children are not held in the same high regard that they may have been when I was was growing up. I don't know if it's just my perception or, or if things have really gotten that way. But I, um, I've seen it a little bit too. I understand like, you know, just you go out to a restaurant and there's the kid with the video game system or something where you know back in the day if you had that technology or something, your parents would have said, put that down and start eating with us, you know, be with it. Like my mom, for example, my mom is very I don't want to say old school. I want to say very classic, like very, you know, no cell phones at the dinner table, table, no matter what, unless this is a true emergency, like your job is on the line or you or someone, you know, is dying or something like that. Absolutely. No phones at the table We're here. We're gathered here to sit and enjoy each other's company over a meal. And that's how it's going to be. It's very important. Parenting mm -hmm. is very important. Yes. 100%. So and now buddy, involving children, I think, would be a very worthwhile cause. Absolutely. And now, buddy, we've come to, we have two more questions for you. One's going to be the demonstration question. Okay. But this question now is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this? I don't know. For anybody who wants to become a cartoonist, what is your advice to them? Well, um, like I said, it's a little different today than it was uh, back when I started out because we had more newspapers to go to and magazines and things like that. But I do get the impression <clears throat> with uh, you know, the internet and media that there is a lot of artwork being done and a lot of cartoons being done. Um, and it seems to me that if, if you have a talent for it and you think you're good, you can probably find a platform somewhere and it might just be your own platform but I know like a lot of internet influencers are able to just kind of get going with their own thing and before you know it they've got thousands of followers and uh, good things happen I don't know if that's the way to go these days or not but I know that if you're an artist and you want to be a cartoonist start cartooning and um, do research into what kind of uh, uh, platforms would be interested in running your cartoons. I know that uh, my syndicate right now, uh, Andrews McNeil uh, Syndicate, um, they have a page called Go Comics. And if you go to Go Comics slash Drabble, you can see Drabble every day. But they publish a lot of cartoonists on that page that uh, their work doesn't appear in, in papers. It appears ex exclusively um, in on the internet. Um, and that might be a good place to start out. Um, you might Google uh, a list of uh, comic publishers, um, get some ideas, uh, and be flexible. You might say, well, well, like I was flexible with doing a, a single panel cartoon and my syndicate wanted me to do a, a strip instead. Um, be ready that someone might want you to do something slightly different from what you're doing and be willing to give it a try because good things you know, might happen. But that would be my advice. Even though the newspaper business is kind of slowly uh, dying out, um, I think that comics are still going to be around uh, mm -hmm. somewhere. 
And yeah. hopefully, it, you know, cartoonists will be able to make a, limp, a living at it as I have. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep I, I definitely see cartoons staying digital, like you've been working on your books, you know, going to print. So I definitely see, I definitely see, you're right. Yeah, unfortunately, the newspaper industry is slowly declining, but, you know, I think it's. That's, things change, you know, radio is replaced by television and television is getting replaced by, you know, all that media. That's just the way it goes. Yep. So now, buddy, before we close out the show, I was wondering, could you do us a little favor? Could you draw us Wally? Could you do a demonstration of that? Yes. Well, I'll try. I'm sitting here, so I'm not at my yep. desk. So I'm going to hold up some yep. paper like this. The there, there, I'm there still here. I'm just behind the screen. I'm just behind the scenes. So yeah. So I'll just I'm I'm looking at the screen to see how best to approach this because I don't want my hand to get in the way. But I guess there's no way to do this without my go hand. Ahead. Just go ahead. We'll, All we'll right. Go along. So I'll start with Wally's eyes. See that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Nose and smile. We'll draw Wally running. So his ears will be kind of flying behind him like that. How are we doing? Yeah. We're doing good. All right. Now, when Wally runs, his feet move really fast. So in order to depict this in cartooning, I usually draw his feet like three circles up here and his stomach down here and three circles in the back. And that's kind of how I make his feet look like they're moving really fast. And then little lines kind of showing it, little shadow on the ground. And whenever Wally runs, I hope I can do this here. I always do a sound effect. Scattle, scattle. <laughs> and there's Wally running. There he is. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. That was perfect. Well, buddy, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. You're not a guest. You're a buddy. <laughs> and you're an official buddy on BuddyCast. So thank you for stopping by, taking the time to talk to us, and explaining everything to us, explaining your comic strip, your humor, your inspirations, the whole nine yards. Thank you. It's fun to talk to you. I appreciate yes. it. And you're welcome back anytime. So. Great. Yes. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy Kevin. And before we close out the show, I have one favor to ask you. Go be someone's buddy today. We'll catch you all next time here on BuddyCast. One second. Oops, technical glitch, sorry. Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past. Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast. Don't feel like it could make it, buddy. Here on BuddyCast